My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless and determined. We fight for love, profits and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hi, everybody. This is Warrior Family and I'm Similian Mori. And I'm sure that we are all here because we know that it is possible to create and live the life worth living. But in order to do this, we have to do something about it. And my goal and purpose within this show is to bring you guests their habits, mindset, strategies, belief system that can help you become the person you want to become and create the life worth living. And today I have a special guest. Rob Dial started in sales at 19. By the age of 24, He was running his own multi-million dollar franchise with that company and in those few years, he trained over 2,000 sales reps. During this time, he worked hardest at helping his employees break free from their own limiting beliefs so that they could get out of their own way in order to be successful and turned this into an actual teaching program. He then took this method and taught it to companies to help their sales force perform at their optimal ability. In 2015, he started his podcast, the Mindset and Motivation Podcast, which quickly became the number one motivational podcast on iTunes, recording over 1 million downloads in first 12 months. In January 2017, he turned his focus to spreading his message across social media and within 18 months had grown his Facebook following to over 1 million followers and racking up over 600 million views between all of his social posts. He has coached college students, high-level CEOs of multi-million dollar companies and NFL superstars. He's currently one of the most sought-after speakers in personal development and is working towards impacting 10 million lives in 2019. Rob, welcome to my show. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Me too, me too. Yeah. When I read this, uh, all achievements that you Mm -hmm. have on the list and in your life, I was thinking about myself. Yeah. Yeah. And you you are, you look young and you are really young. (laughs) So how did you start in this personal development yeah, so niche. it it kind of happened accidentally. So when I was when I was younger, my parents divorced when I was mm-hmm. nine. My father passed away when I was fifteen from being an alcoholic, and mm-hmm. we didn't have much money. Never went to a therapist, but there was always something inside of me that felt that I probably should go to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And when I was nineteen, I started with a sales company, and they always talked about reading and personal development mm-hmm. and becoming the best version of yourself and going to seminars. And I started going to them and noticing that the more that I worked on myself, the more money I started making, the happier I became, Mm -hmm. 
the more I felt like I wasn't holding myself back anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when I started moving up in the company, I became a manager and started training people. And I noticed that all of the things that helped me get past all of the limiting beliefs that I had, I started teaching to my sales reps. Mm -hmm. And in turn, they started becoming better because Mm -hmm. of it. And they started selling more and they became happier. And the moment that my life kind of changed, I had one of my reps came up to me and he was from a terrible part of town. People would call it the ghetto of Fort Lauderdale. It was, it was the, yeah. the place where the cops don't want to drive through. And the year before he started working for me, his father was in a wheelchair. He mm-hmm. was handicapped. And his father was by himself and he was eating dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended up choking and dying. And he found him the next day. And for about six months after, he never, you know, he didn't have a father figure or anything like that. And he was with me for about a year and a half. And after a year and a half, he came up to me. His name was Richard. And he said... I know I'm not as good as everybody else. I know I've been getting better, but the only reason why I keep showing up is because you're the only person that I look up to since my father passed away. Mm. And it was at that point in time that I realized that what I was doing was not just helping people make paychecks, but it was also impacting their lives. So then what I decided to do was once you teach 2,000 people, you start to realize that everyone's as different as we all are. We Mm -hmm. all are very similar in the way that we think, in the way that we hold ourselves back. And so when I was able to teach it to my sales reps, I figured, why can't I just go and teach this to other places? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, I started young, but it just, it just happened so, so fast that, you know, mm-hmm. I, people normally they think of a motivational speaker that's in yeah, their 40s yeah, yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. But, uh, yeah, I guess I started a little bit younger than most people. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that your dad passed away mm-hmm. when, when you were 15. 15, yeah. He was alcoholic. Yep. What happened? In your life when he passed away so did, did you miss a male role in yeah your life? absolutely so one thing that i was really lucky of was was when i was at 19 and i started getting mm-hmm. a sales company i hired a uh a actual coach i paid 500 a month for a mentor at age 19 and at age 19 I, i paid more for a mentor than i did for rent i paid 350 no. for rent <laughs> and i paid 500 for a mentor I got really lucky and I had two mentors. They were, they both worked. I had one of them I talked to every single week and one of them I talked to once a month. And uh, one of them, his name is Hal Elrod. He wrote the book, The Miracle Morning. I know him. Yeah. And so I was his very first coaching client. So I kind of lucked out. Him and his best friend coached me. And and it was at a point in my life where I could have gone down a really bad path because where I come from is the number one opiate overdose in, in the entire state of Florida. And it has been for a long time. I know I have friends who have overdosed. I have friends who have been on the show Intervention, all of these things. And and I was at a really bad point in my life where I could have gone that way, or I could have gone a completely opposite direction. And so paying that five hundred dollars a month to have somebody mentor me to be the father figure that I never really had was the, the absolute best investment for me. Mm. But how can a nineteen year old kid think about having a coach? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I asked myself. Where did you get I asked, this? I asked myself the same question. I have. I, I was at a. I was at a seminar. Yeah. And he got up. Hal Elrod got up and started speaking. And something inside me just said, "Do it. Just go for it. Just see if it's right for you." And I put it on a credit card because I didn't even have that much money in my bank account. And I said, "I just have faith that it will pay off." And it could have gone really bad, but it went really well. And I, I think that I I lucked out in getting the right mentor. I, it was just intuition i guess more than anything else so what advice would you give to somebody that is now 19 mm-hmm. 17 mm-hmm. i have a lot of followers there also 16 17 18 yeah. 19 and uh, they want to start a business yeah they look up to you mm-hmm. 
you are a role model for somebody. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give them? Because they are afraid. Yeah. They think they don't have money, not enough skills, not enough big network. Yeah. How, I mean, it's it's it, it's it, it looks nice. Yeah. When you read like it a, looks, a million followers. Oh yeah, it looks great. Yeah. It took so, a long. It took a lot you of have work. To start some. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about it is that if if somebody wants to, you know, for instance, we were talking before we started about yeah. how all of the gear that both of us have is a lot. Of, we spend a lot of money on gear, <laughs> but the best part about it is that if somebody, for instance, wants to be a speaker, let's mm -hmm. say that there's a 16 year old kid that okay. wants to be a speaker, they don't have to invest all the gear. They already have all of the gear that they need. Mm -hmm. All they have to do is just start. They can take the phone that's in their pocket and they mm -hmm. can walk around and whatever inspirational thing that they hear from you or they hear mm -hmm. from me or they hear from somebody else they can translate into their own way of saying and then what they do is they just go ahead and record it and they can put it up there mm -hmm. and the the thing about it is is the the only thing that holds somebody back there's an ancient uh, an ancient like uh, african proverb mm -hmm. and it says if you can defeat the enemy within there is no enemy outside of you nobody can hold you back mm -hmm. outside if you're not holding yourself back. The, the only thing that really holds somebody back is the inner critic of I'm not good enough or I don't deserve this or why would somebody follow me when they could go follow someone else. And I remember when I first started my podcast, I thought, why would somebody listen to me when they could just go listen to Tony Robbins? Because yes. Tony Robbins is the biggest motivational Absolutely. speaker Absolutely. in the world. And then I heard somebody on an Instagram post, he was saying that if you rate yourself one to 10, in whatever category that you're in. So let's say motivational speaking yeah. or personal growth. Tony Robbins might be 10, right? Zero is one is somebody who's never even heard of it. <laughs> what would you rate yourself? And I thought to myself, seven, right? Like I've read hundreds of books, but I still am not gonna say I'm an eight, nine, 10, all the way up there. And what he said is the average person is probably a one or a two. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a seven, you have billions of people that you could the okay. impact that are at a one or two or three. Mm -hmm. And so just because you don't feel like you're as good as somebody else doesn't mean that you shouldn't at least try or at least start. Wow. Because the only way to get better at something is to start and to continue getting better at it. Mm -hmm. You can't become a, an amazing basketball player unless mm -hmm. you pick up the basketball and start shooting. Mm -hmm. And do not compare with others that you think they are better. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Us as humans. We always compare. Yeah, we compare. And, and I think because of the fact that, you know, comparing kept us alive, mm -hmm. where if something was running at us, it was a mm -hmm. giant bear, we had to compare how fast it was going mm -hmm. to how big it is compared mm -hmm. to us. But I think the problem is that most people, there's a great quote that says, don't mm -hmm. compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20. Well, wow. right? Don't come. Somebody shouldn't compare themselves to me. I've been doing this for 13 years. And, you know, someone can, can just pair themselves to the way they were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I always say just the, live by the law of 1%. Mm -hmm. Just be 1% better when you go to bed tonight than you were when you woke mm -hmm. up this morning. Mm -hmm. And that's all you have to do. Just yeah. don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just 1% better than you were when you woke up this morning. I think that we have this feeling we are not good enough. Oh, yeah. Recently, I interviewed Marisa Peer. Mm -hmm. She developed the whole concept about I'm not good enough. Yeah. So th it was the same case with my show. I said, oh, there are so many shows out there. Why should I yeah. start a new one? Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost the same, but it's not. Yeah. It, it's not because you are doing it. Yeah. And it's different. It's, you know, what I can realize <laughs> is, and I love Tony Robbins. Yeah. I love all of his stuff. I've listened to him. My mom listened to him when I was 13 years old. <laughs> it was the first time I heard him. So I think I kind of learned his stuff a long time okay, ago. It, was, yeah. it was getting through without me I realizing see. it. Yeah. But what I realized is some people don't like his voice or they mm -hmm. don't like my mom doesn't like doesn't like all of the cussing anymore. So it's like he's amazing for me. I love yeah, all of his yeah, stuff. And yeah. there's millions of people who do. 
but some people's voice is a little bit annoying or some people yeah. he cusses a little bit too much. And so, and sometimes you can hear something hundreds of times mm -hmm. and then it's just, mm -hmm. you hear it at the right time mm -hmm. and it just changes something for you. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that you shouldn't be the person that says it to impact somebody mm -hmm. else's life. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, motivational speakers all over, but you might have something different. Everybody's unique. As mm -hmm. long as you mm -hmm. authentically are yourself, mm -hmm. whenever you're doing whatever it is, whether it's speaking or whether it's your business or whether it's putting posts mm -hmm. on Instagram and you're actually being authentic in everything that you say, there are people out there that are going to connect with you as long as you're being authentic in everything that you do. You lost your dad when you were 15. Mm -hmm. you, you probably felt a lot of pain. Yeah. But somehow you managed to turn this pain into something more. Yeah. Do you think that this pain is the cause of what you are doing? Now? 100%. How? I don't think I would be doing... I would 100% not be doing what I'm doing now if my father hadn't passed away. I remember my father passed away on November 1st, 2001. My sister's 21st birthday was November 24th, 2001. And I remember we were leaving a restaurant. We were leaving the Olive Garden. Mm -hmm. And I was driving. I had my learner's permit. My mom was right here. And my sister was right behind her. We were at a stoplight. My mom asked the question. She said, what do you think about your father's death? Now that it's been three weeks, what do you think about it? I don't know where it came from. But the 15-year-old me said, I think that if dad were to know what, what amount of good is going to come from his death, that he would be okay with, with dying. And it was my mission from that day that whatever I was going to do would be to take this terrible thing that happened to me and somehow turn into the most positive thing that could happen to me. So I always tell people the best day of my life and the worst day of my life are the day my father passed away. The worst day because my father passed away. But the best day was because that was the moment when my life changed and I said I'm going to do something to impact the world And I'm not going to let this negative thing stay negative. I'm going to work every single day to try to improve myself to somehow impact the world. And I didn't know what that was at 15 years old. Yeah. But eventually when I became 19 years old, mm -hmm. it clicked and I figured out what it was. And then I just became obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And I worked 120 hours a week for five years just trying to improve, trying to get better, improving myself and trying to help other people out as well. And so I definitely would not be doing what I do now had my father not passed away. Did you cry? Oh, absolutely. He was, I didn't know anybody who passed. He was the very first person that I ever knew that passed away. And so it was that weird thing where you know someone dies and you, you're expecting them to wake up, right? You're mm -hmm. expecting it to be a joke. And I remember we went to, the, the thing that made it really hard is that my father had jaundice, which turns your skin yellow. Mm -hmm. So when we went to go view the cast, we viewed him in the casket, they had to put a lot of makeup on him to make his skin color look somewhat natural, but it still didn't. It was like brownish, greenish color. And it just was, it was like it was fake. It was like it was not actually real. And I, I wrote in my journal for the very first time, the very first time I ever wrote in a journal was the year, the, one year after he died. So it was November 1st, 2002. And I remember writing in it, and I still have it, that how much I was waiting for him to just say, I'm kidding, because he used to play so many practical jokes on me and stuff, and we used to have fun in that sort of way. And when you look at him in the casket, I was like, that's not him. That's not real. He's playing a joke. So it took time for it to sink in that he's not going to wake up. But as soon as it sunk in, it was like, all right, I need to do something. I need to take this negative thing and somehow turn it into something positive. Do you have trouble reaching your goals? I have a surprise for you. Download my free ebook, Goal Setting for Warriors, at www.warriorfamily.com and you will know how to set, plan, and reach even your biggest goals. What do you remember about him? He was the most laid back person 
that you've ever met, but he was also the best at having a conversation with somebody. So he, one of the things that I think that he loved most about going into bars was not the actual act of drinking. It was the act of sitting down with someone that he didn't know and becoming best friends with them. So he was, my grandma and grandpa were two of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And they said that my father was the most intelligent person they've ever met. He could sit down, he could read an entire book and have basically the entire thing memorized. And he would do that so that he could go and just have conversations with people because he found people so interesting. And so the thing that I remember most about him is that he always was really good at making other people feel good about themselves. And yeah, exactly. And so I think that's a a trait that hopefully I got Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to improve at. But he, uh, I was lucky where I didn't have the alcoholic father that yelled at me. I didn't have the alcoholic father that beat me or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I got lucky that I had the, I had the alcoholic father that drank and then fell asleep. I was, I was lucky in that sense. No, not at all. So I think I got lucky in that sense. So there was, and there's never been a moment in my life where I questioned if my dad loved me or not, which was great. It was just the sense that I knew he loved me, but he had his own demons. And to give you an idea, to take a step back of what I ended up realizing is my father drank because he had his own demons. When he was 12 years old, he saw his father shoot himself in the mouth. So my dad was in the room when his father killed himself. I don't know how you overcome something like that. And so, right. And so what happens is he had demons from that. And I realized that. So I realized lots of people have demons. You know, everyone that you sit down with is fighting, you know, and and talking to is fighting some sort of battle that you don't know anything about. And so with me realizing that, I realized that if I'm going to do something in the world, why don't I try to help people get past some sort of their, whatever their demons might be. Mm -hmm. And that's been my mission since, you know, the day he passed away. Rob, when you watch him, Killing himself slowly with this alcohol. What did you think? I was just, I was so curious why. You know, because when you're a kid, this is for anybody who watches this, the number one thing that your children think about you is, does my father love me or does my mother love me? And everything that happens, every interaction between you and your children filters through Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Does my father Mm -hmm. love me? Does my mother love me? And so there was a lot of thoughts in my head. Does is, why does Dad love alcohol more than he loves me? Wow! Right. And so, like you said, with everybody, everybody thinks that they're not good enough. So in my head, I thought I'm not good enough because I can't make my dad love me more than he loves alcohol. But once I realized what was going on and the demons that he had after he passed away, I realized that he loved me more than anything else. But he just couldn't get past his demons that he had. So that was a question that always ran through my head of, does he actually love me? Like, there's nothing, there's literally nothing that I can do to help him stop. And now I look back and I'm like, damn, if I could have a conversation with him now, I could probably help him. But at, at 15 years old, I don't so think that, that I could. So that was my second, next question. Yeah. At that time, you didn't have the knowledge, the skills, the courage. Yeah. You were not a man yet. Yeah. Today, you're a man. What would you say to him? Like, like a man to man. Yeah. Not trying to convince him softer. What would you say, like? I think I would ask him how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I think that, or if he's happy, you know, I saw a quote the other day by Heath Ledger and it said, people ask if what our job is. They ask if we're married, if we have kids and mm-hmm. hobbies, but nobody ever asks if we're happy. Mm-hmm. And I think if we sat down with more people and just said, hey, you know, honestly, are you happy right now? And just opened a conversation and allow somebody to be mm-hmm. open and talk. I think that we were, a lot of times people are so closed off and we put up this mask mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. this persona of being happy or the success on Instagram or whatever it is that they might, that we act like we have, but nobody ever actually sits down and says, how are you? Are you happy? Is everything okay? And I think that when you can sit down with someone that's close to you and ask them that question to have a real deep conversation, I think that most people will probably open up and talk about the things that are troubling them. Because there's a lot of people that are struggling that just never have somebody mm-hmm. ask them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can see it in how many people commit suicide now and suicide rates are so high. Men commit suicide three times more than women do. And so I think Why the reason... Think so? I think it's because the mask that... Mm-hmm. I think that one of the biggest problems right now is gender roles, right? And I think that, you know, that men have to act this way. Women have yeah. to act this way. And men can't cry. Yeah. We're not supposed to cry, right? There was a, I went and saw an amazing documentary, the new one that's about Mr. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I started crying and tried to make myself stop. And I was like, screw this. Why can I not cry inside of a movie theater because I'm a man and I can look at my girlfriend right next to me and she's bawling her eyes out? Like, that's okay, but this isn't okay. So I think that, number one, people don't ask each other how they're doing what, enough. And number two, it needs to be acceptable to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Like you can wake up and not be okay sometimes. And it's okay not to be not okay. To be okay. <laughs> you don't have to wake up and put up pictures and act like you're okay or you know, go mm-hmm. into work and act like you're okay. If you're not okay, tell someone that you're not okay. And I think that that might be one of the reasons why men commit suicide so much because there's too much pressure maybe or they have to act a certain way and they can't show their emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why men commit suicide so mm-hmm. much. Absolutely agree on this. What advice would you give to young kids? Because yeah. you were yeah. not alone. There are many out there that they have alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them so they don't need to think about it when they are 32 years old? Yeah. What they can do even if they are 10, 15? Yeah. I think the, the number one thing that I would say is that it's going to be okay. If I were to if I were to go back and, and I'm just thinking if I were talking to myself, yeah, you know, I I can't tell someone whether their parent that's an alcoholic is gonna be an alcoholic forever, if they're going to live or if they're going to die. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But what I do know is that it's going to be okay in the long run mm-hmm. and you can make it that way. Mm-hmm. I had a, a conversation with a friend and we were talking about death, and she said, I don't understand. It pisses me off that people say it's all part of God's plan. Or, you know, that there's meaning to it. You'll find the meaning or whatever it is. And and what I said is that maybe what's important is for you to make it part of your plan. Right? The worst thing that could happen is that this person passes away and that you don't learn something from it in order to get better. And so what I would tell them is in the long run, it will be okay. If you look at a muscle, a muscle only grows if it's put under intense strain. That's the only way that a muscle will grow. A muscle doesn't grow if you just lift the same weight all the time. So if someone's going through a lot of stuff right now, whether it's an alcoholic parent, whether it's, you know, a spouse that they don't want to be with, whether it's getting fired from a job and not having money and they're listening to this on their car and their cell phone, you know, that's where they are right now. It's going to be okay. Number one is the mm-hmm. first thing I would say. And the second thing I would say is you're in control of what you do right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, someone might be out there and they might have an alcoholic father and they might be sitting there like that. I don't think that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, it might not feel okay. But eventually, it will get to the point, if you work on yourself and you work on getting meaning from it, it will be okay. 
that was the only thing that I did is how can I extract meaning from this situation with my father's alcoholism mm-hmm. and trying my best to, to still do it every day. Why do you think that people listen to your podcast, Mindset and Motivation? Because I try to be as authentic and vulnerable as possible. Mm-hmm. So when my father passed away, I didn't tell anybody. He passed away on a Thursday. I went back to school on Monday. I didn't tell any of my friends. I had my three best friends. I didn't tell them at all. The only way they found out is because my mom told their moms. And I didn't want anybody to know. It's part of that thing of being a guy. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to know emotion, any of those yeah. things. And so it was really hard for me to be vulnerable and authentic for a really long time. And then I read a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And the reason why I wasn't vulnerable was because of the fact that I thought people would see it as a, a sign of weakness. But what she says is that when you are vulnerable and people view your vulnerability, they see it as courage because they look at you and they say, I wish that I could be as courageous as this person and actually be vulnerable. But when you get when you're vulnerable with somebody, it also allows them to be vulnerable as well and to open up and to open up. If we're always closed off, then everyone around us will always be closed off. And so when I started my podcast, I said, the one thing that I will do better than anybody else, if I can control it, mm-hmm. is I will be as vulnerable and authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. And so there's an episode when my grandfather passed away, and I cried through almost the entire episode, podcast episode. Did not edit it, published it. And that was, it was the hardest thing for me to put up because of the fact that I was like, but I'm crying in a podcast episode. I'm not supposed to be crying in a podcast. I'm the motivational speaker. <laughs> I'm the one that's supposed to make everyone feel better, right? Yeah. But I thought to myself, everyone who's listening to my podcast mm-hmm. or listens to me on Facebook or wherever it is that they follow me, they're going to go through this or they have gone through it. And my goal was to be as authentic and vulnerable as possible so that someone can listen to me and go, mm-hmm. oh man, me too. I get it. I understand what he's going through. I felt the same way. Because I think that when people really start to get depressed is when they think that they're the only one who's gone through this situation and there's no hope to get out of it. And so when my grandfather passed away, the reason why I cried is because he and my grandmother passed away within 17 days of each other. So they were together for 71 years. He passed away, and then she passed away 17 days later. And so it was hard. I was in the room when I watched my grandmother, her daughters, her three daughters that were there. I was the only other person. It was my grandma, her three daughters, and me that were sitting in the room. And they said, you know, Dad passed away, and they told her that. And to watch somebody's face when they find out that the person that's been their sidekick for the last seventy-one years passed away—like the pain—I don't think any—I don't think any worse pain exists than than what I had seen. And so the emotion just came out of me when I was talking about it, and I thought, I got to put it up. And so the difference, I think, and the reason why hopefully people listen to it is because of the vulnerability and the authenticity in it. Where I don't—I don't edit any of my episodes. Mm-hmm. I record it. I put up the bumper at the beginning, I put the bumper at the end, and nothing else. I cough, I sneeze, I mess up words. I've been so excited before when I talk and move my hands, I've knocked water off while I'm doing podcast episodes. I try to make it as authentic as I possibly can. Because that's what we're all starving for in this this day and age, is, is people that are, just be authentic. You know, what I found out, there are many young people out there, mm-hmm. and they lost hope yeah. for the better future. Mm-hmm. They're 19, 17 years old, mm-hmm. and they don't see anything positive in, in front of them. Yeah. What message would you give them? The world has never been better than it is right now. Wow. It's never been safer than it ever has, 
But the thing about it that people don't realize is they watch the news or they're hearing it from their parents or they're reading it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. The world has never been safer. You are 12 times more likely to be killed in a war in 1950 than you are right now. You are two times more likely to be killed by a gun in America in the 1990s than you are right now. But if you turn on the news, the news makes it seem like the world's coming down and everything is being destroyed, right? Is everything perfect around the world? No, No. it never will be. But if you listen to, I was listening to Alan Watts today, and I was listening to something from 1950s, and he was talking about how terrible it is in the 1950s. That was 60-something years ago. We're still here. We're still kicking. Things are still going. And so what I think is that there's a very, very thin line between listening to the news and watching TV just to get information Mm -hmm. and it brainwashing you. There's a, uh, Harvard did a study where, and they actually found out there's a, uh, it's called unconscious priming. Mm -hmm. Unconscious priming, they found out that any bit of information that comes into your brain will change the way that you think or act throughout the day. And the way that they did this study was they walked up to students. They had an actor that looked like a student. They walked up to him and they gave him a, they were holding a hot cup of coffee and and they went up to 50 students and said, hey, can you hold this for me real quick? And they tied their shoe and they said, thank you. And then they walked away. So they held a hot cup of coffee for 15 seconds, maybe. And then what happened was they went to another 50 people with a cold cup of coffee and handed it to them, tied their shoe, went on about their day. Then they went up to all 100 people and they gave them a piece of paper that had question, it had a story about somebody, yeah. and then all it did was it had questions to answer. And 80% of the people who got a hot cup of coffee read this story and rated the person as trustworthy, kind, and someone that they may, might be friends with. Then the people who had the cold cup of coffee, 81% of them, it's the exact same story and the exact same questions. The cold cup of coffee said that they thought that the person was cold, untrustworthy, and not somebody that they would want to be friends with. The only difference was that they had a hot cup of coffee in their hand or a cold cup of coffee in their hand 15 minutes prior. And so what I always tell people is be very conscious of all of the information that's coming into your head. I don't ever watch the news. I don't know what's going on. And the reason why is because I'm in control of my own brainwashing and I want to be positive and I want to be focused on the things that are going to make me better. If I turn on the news, I know within 15 minutes I'm going to think that we're going to get bombed by you know Korea at some point in time. It's so negative. And the reason why is because people focus on the negative. It's a natural state of being a human is we focus on the negative. And the reason why is because in in my mind is 100,000 years ago, if we're walking through a forest and you eat berries and you die, I'm going to want to remember those berries so that I I don't eat them ever again. So I remember that negative thing. But now we still remember the negative and we focus on the negative. And so if we allow the negative news, if we allow the negative Facebook posts, if we allow the negative conversations to come in, those are going to sit in our brain and we're going to think that the world is worse than it is. The world is amazing. The opportunities are everywhere. The opportunities to be happy, to be successful, to be whatever it is, a multimillionaire, whatever it is that you want in this world, there have never been more opportunities and it's never been better than it ever has been. Than it, it's never better than it is right now. Yeah. But people need to be aware of what is brainwashing them because something is brainwashing them and what they should do is take control of their brainwash and brainwash themselves. So brainwashing is everywhere. It's happening, whether we like it or not. It's why I don't watch the Kardashians and I don't think anybody else should because they can watch it and they could, you know, watch them scream at each other and then they might go scream at somebody else or treat somebody else in not a positive way, whatever it might be. So everyone's in control of their own brainwashing, which is the best part. One of the biggest problems that we face is the 
comfort zone, how to get out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Maybe somebody's watching now and they are in the very comfort zone of their life or yeah. business. How can you kick them out? So I think the comfort zone is where dreams go to die. Hmm. And I like to think of everything as if we were cavemen 100 or 200 or 300,000 years ago. So I relate everything back to our brain hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. We've changed. Our outside has changed. Our technology has changed. But we, our operating system hasn't changed that much. So mm-hmm. I always talk to people and I say, if you're stuck in a comfort zone, think of how that would relate to cavemen. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, think of a cave, right? If we're in a tribe, we need to stay together and we need to stay inside of a cave for some sort of comfort that we won't be attacked. So if we go into a cave and we set a fire out there, there's a pretty good chance that no lions are going to come in and attack us. But say something happens, and in the middle of the night, it's dark. We have to walk out of that cave, and we don't know what's out there. Mm -hmm. It could be a lion. It could be nothing. You're going to get that physical fear of, I might be attacked by a lion. That's the cave. That's the comfort zone, right? Now, we don't have to walk outside in the middle of Austin, Texas right now, and wonder if we're going to be attacked by a lion outside of the double tree, yeah. right? We're not going to be attacked by a lion, but that part of our brain still exists. Mm-hmm. And so because of the fact that we don't have these fears, these things that are holding us back as far as I call them physical fears, mm-hmm. which are the, the fears that could actually kill you. And then there's psychological fears, yeah. which are the fears that don't exist. And we make up our own lions and we make up our own things that are holding us back. And we make up our own things of reasons why we can't do something, the reason why we're not good enough, mm-hmm. or the fact that we're going to get judged by people. And so what people have to realize is, is, is this fear that's holding me back, that's if for me to step out of this comfort zone, for me to get outside of this cave, is it a physical fear? Am I going to die if I put a video up on Facebook and people start judging me? No. Okay. Well, then what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. That's what people are so worried about. They're worried about this comfort zone that they're stuck in. Let's say that they want to go and they want to quit their job to pursue their dreams. There's that physical fear of what if it doesn't work out? But you're going to get whatever you concentrate on. So if you concentrate on what if it doesn't work out, you're going to find all of the reasons why it doesn't work out yeah. or why it won't work out. But if you concentrate on what can I do to make it work out, you're going to find all of the reasons why it will work out. There's trillions of bits of information that our brain can have processed mm-hmm. at one point in time, but our brain only accepts 120 bits of information per second. So we're in control of our lens of perception that we yeah. have. Out of these trillions of bits of information, our brain only filters and allows in 120%, which means it filters out and blinds us to trillions of bits of information. So if we focus on worry or the reasons why we can't succeed, we will find those. Because that's what our brain is filtering. That's the filter that it's going through. But if we focus and we go, how can I succeed? What can I do to make sure that I am successful? Our brain will start to find reasons and ways that we can go down to to be successful and get us to where we want to be. Yeah. So you are exposed on the Facebook. You mentioned, you know. Very exposed. Yeah. Record (laughs) this video. You know, it seems like everybody likes you because you have so many likes and uh, Mm -hmm. views. But probably you have haters too. Oh, yeah, of course so, I do. So how do you deal with haters? It was do you int- read all the comments? Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> no, I don't, it's like the news. I don't watch the news anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because there's a, it's very interesting. I would get hundreds of comments that were positive. 
hundreds and of then them. you find one and i find one like it was me super like negative <laughs> yeah i'm like what is like what do me. i have to do for this person to like me right <laughs> that's what Let's i was thinking fix him or fix yeah. me and so it's like i'd have you know a hundred comments that are positive and one negative one yeah. and an hour later i'd be driving my car and i'd be go. thinking about that one negative one it's the proof of what i was saying if we think about the negative way more than we think we about the positive want. yeah and then at first i was like why is this what do i need to do for this person to like me and it's like the quote I think Bill Cosby said it, but the quote is, I don't know the key to success, but I know the key to failure is to try to please everybody. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there. I always say this, haters don't hate you. They hate themselves. And their hate towards you is just a projection of how much they hate themselves onto you. That's it. They don't hate anything about you or anything about your videos. What they hate is what the fact that you represent something that is not them that they wish that they could be. So if someone you know, has a, a big following on Facebook and they put up yep. a video that helps a lot of people and somebody hates on that, absolutely. the reason why they're hating on it is because they're looking into themselves and going, I'm not that person. I wish that I could be. I wish that I could be where she is. I wish that I could be where he is. I wish that I could authentically be vulnerable and talk about the things that are going on in my life, but I can't. And so I always say to people, haters do not mm-hmm. hate you. Haters hate themselves. And the hate that you're getting from them is their projection of their hate of themselves onto you. And if you can just remember that, that almost every single person that you come across, every single grown-up is somewhat of a broken child inside. And that's just their broken child screaming out at you for attention. And then people like you, then they get they pull back. Yeah. They, they stop doing the, the yeah. things that they can help many people, but then they get one hater. Yep comment under their video and then they are done yeah and so i will use your quote for my book what's that which and one it's a country it's going to be controversial but the title will be very short it is going to be one hand with one <laughs> finger and haters yeah i'm collecting quotes from, <laughs> for, from people like you yeah. i asked i asked grant cardone how he is dealing with haters he said yeah. he said I don't I don't have time to hate anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time to hate anybody. Yeah. Somebody said something to me that really stuck and it was someone else who was an influencer and they I don't yeah. even remember who it was, but he said he said if I'm getting a hundred positive comments and one negative comment yeah. and I'm commenting back to that negative person or, you know, trying to, to make myself feel better by commenting or proving them wrong, I have a hundred people that just said something positive. They deserve my energy more than this one negative person does. And if you don't even respond to anybody, your energy should not be focused on some negative person Mm -hmm. that just hates themselves and is projecting their hate onto you. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that makes you happy, do it. Do it as authentically as you possibly can and do it until the day that you die. And it's almost near impossible to not be successful Mm -hmm. because of the fact that People are going to connect with you. They're going to say, this person right here, I connect with them. They're vulnerable. They're authentic. I feel the same way, whatever it is. And I always tell people that money is not something that you go for. Money is just a byproduct of the value that you give the world. And so if you just go out and try to give as much value as you possibly can, authentically as you possibly can, whether that's putting up a video or starting an Etsy shop where you make bracelets that you love and you put 100% into that, you will be successful. It's not going to happen right away, 
It's not going to happen within the first couple months. It might take six months. It might take a year. It might take a few years, right? I was, mm-hmm. I was doing this for 10 years, 11 years before anybody knew who I was. So it's just, you have to put in the time to be successful. LeBron James did not become LeBron James overnight. But the other thing is, LeBron James didn't become LeBron James by also practicing volleyball in high school in case basketball didn't work out. Mm-hmm. He found one thing and he worked every freaking day at that one thing to become better at it. Mm-hmm. And eventually he got his chance. Mm-hmm. And everybody has the exact same opportunity, no matter what it is they want to do. And what is the title of the video that had most views? So there's two of them. They're very close. But the number one video that, that's at, it's at about 53 million views right now is why your job is a waste of time. Why mm-hmm. your job is a waste of your life. That's and, the title. And why is So if somebody loves their job, it's not a waste of their time. But if somebody's waking up and spending eight hours a day, every single day at a job that they hate, they're basically signing up and to go, it's their own prison is really what it is. If somebody's going to a job five days a week, eight to nine hours a day, and they hate it, they're going and basically just going into their own prison that they hate. It is a waste of their life to do so. And I think that the reason why most people it hit with them is because there's a statistic that a Gallup poll put up and said mm-hmm. that 85% of people who go to work and work for somebody else mm-hmm. don't enjoy, enjoy their job. So 85% of human energy, of human capabilities, 85% of that is wasted doing something that they hate. And what I said is that it's better to do something that you love and to get paid less for it than it is to do something that you hate and become a multimillionaire at it. Wow. Because what happens is If you have children, your children are watching you mm-hmm. all day, every day, and they're going to become just like you. And so if you're just working your job in order to mm-hmm. feed your children and you want a better life from them, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to do the exact same thing that you do. And then their children are going to do the exact same thing. And it's a vicious mm-hmm. cycle. And at one point in time, someone needs to wake up and say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Enough's enough. And it's okay to wake up today or tomorrow and completely reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. Because wouldn't you rather your children see you being happy versus being wealthy? Absolutely. Because they're going to do the exact same thing. Or happy and wealthy. But that would be the best version <laughs> of it, right? Which is what I think, which I think everybody can be. Everybody yeah. can be happy and wealthy. But the only thing that's holding us back is ourselves. So Rob, what do you think? Who watched this video and shared? The ones that are not happy in their job or the ones that got out of the job that they hated already? <laughs> Well, I think it's both. It's funny. I've gotten a lot of messages from yeah. people who have said that they quit their job uh-huh. after talking to me. Okay. I just bought a car the other day. I got a, a car. Today is Friday. Today's Friday. I bought a, a new car on, on Monday. And they, after I left, the guy went and looked me up on YouTube. And he said that I went in yesterday to go get the car cleaned. And he said, for the past four nights, I've watched you for one to two to three hours every single night. And he goes, I want to quit my job. And I, I was like, well, you can. And so he sat down with me when I was getting my car cleaned mm-hmm. and I was showing him different ways that he can make money online and whatever he wants to do, he can do. But there's so many people that I think it hit home with them because they don't enjoy their job. Mm-hmm. And they shared it because they hope that they, you know, maybe because of the fact that they want to go back and see it again one day. There's so many messages I got of people who did quit their job 20 years ago and it was hard for a little while, mm-hmm. but it was the best decision they ever made. So I think there's a lot of different people on there. I know the haters didn't the yeah, haters yeah. didn't share it, no. but they freaking commented all over. <laughs> That's for sure. There's a ton of people that hated on it. And it's like, you know, if you want to work your job and you hate your job, go for it. 
by all means, do what you want to do. You mentioned the guy at the car wash, different ways out how to start the online business. Mm-hmm. So can you can you talk about this for our? So I bought I bought a, a Ford truck, mm-hmm. and he's been working in for Ford for 27 years. And what I said to him, the, the easiest way that just pops into my head is you work for Ford. You probably know more about Ford trucks than almost anybody else that's mm-hmm. out there. What if you were to just start? I said, don't quit your job right away. Okay. I always recommend that people start making some sort of income before they quit their job. A side. Yeah, the side income. They start to grow. They make $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a yeah. month. And then they can switch over so they don't have to struggle. Because the worst thing you could do is quit the job that you hate struggle for three months. And then try to figure out what to do. Yeah, and then go back, right? So what I would say is try to make at least a little bit of money to pay your bills and then leave and take all of that energy and time that you're putting into the job that you hate and put it now into the business that you love. And so what I told him, it was just an idea of what popped into my head. When I bought this car, it's got all of these features and I don't know what the hell I'm doing in it. So I keep YouTubing all of these different videos to try to figure out how it works. And so what I said to him is if you go on to, he works with Ford. I said, if you go on to Ford's YouTube, there's over a hundred how-to videos. But the problem with Ford is I looked at it, their keywords are terrible. Mm -hmm. So if you do really good at YouTube's keywords and you make your own tutorial videos of this is how you sync your phone up with the Bluetooth, when people go on to it, because YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, Google's number one, YouTube is number two. I go to YouTube all the time and put in how to do this. So if you make your own how-to videos with these cars, with these trucks, you can start your own YouTube channel mm-hmm. and you can start making money on the side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this video right here has 500,000 views. If you mm-hmm. do the math, that means that this video, if you had put it up, would have made you anywhere between $1,000 to $1,500, depending on how much you mm-hmm. get you know, per, per view. And so he's like, that's a great idea. And so the way I bought my truck was it's the specific model that I bought. There was a guy, and the way I had this idea was it's a 35-minute video of every single feature that you get with this model. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, why can't you do that same thing? He's like, that's a great idea. So there's, and he could make money. He doesn't have to quit his job, but he could make an extra thousand, two thousand bucks on the side, which would make him more comfortable. Maybe he can send his kids to college off of that. Maybe he can retire earlier, whatever it is. So people don't have to quit their job, but they can do something that fulfills them at least. So he said that's a great idea. And then it's a long way from that great idea and then execution. Yeah. In 2017, I gained around 3.2 million followers on social media. I earned more money than ever and got so many new opportunities. If you want to know how you can do that, download my free manual, Social Media Warrior, at www.warriorfamily.com. What can stand in the way from the great idea to execution for this guy? The main thing excuses? that... Excuses? <laughs> the excuses, the I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome. Oh, Ford already put these up and they're better quality mm-hmm. than mine. And there's all these things that could come up. But what I always tell people is that the main thing that really comes up would be his why. Mm-hmm. Why he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the why is the most important thing that you've come up with. When I was had my first mentor, he said, if the why is strong enough, the how will reveal itself. Mm-hmm. Which means mm-hmm. if your why as to why you're doing something is strong enough, you will eventually figure out how mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He used to tell me that all the time. And so the example I always give people is if you have person A and person B, right? You have two different people. Both of them want to make $100,000 this year. Person A just wants yeah. to make $100,000. They wrote that goal down and that's it. Person B wants to make $100,000, but they know their why. Let's say their why 
is that they live in a bad part of town. They've got two kids. They live in a bad part of town in an apartment. And this guy that's working the sales job that wants to make $100,000 this year knows that if he makes $100,000, he'll be able to put a down payment on a house in a better part of town, which will make his family safer. Mm-hmm. It'll better chance that his kids might not get influenced by drugs or sell drugs or whatever it is that it might be. They'll be safer in some sort of way. But if they're in a better part of town, as sad as it is in America, if you're in a better part of town, your children will get a better education. Yeah. It's just the way that it works. Terrible it is that way, but it is the truth. So if this guy makes his $100,000, there's a pretty good chance his family's going to be safer. Yeah. His kids are going to get a better education. If they get a better education, then they might be able to go to college and maybe even get their college paid for because of how good their education was and how good they're doing. And if they go to a college and they have a full-ride scholarship, their life is going to be completely different. So person A wants to make $100,000. When it gets hard, person A is going to give up. But person B, when it gets hard, because it's going to get hard, they're going to think of their children's face. Yeah. And they're going to work every single day. The next time that someone hangs up on them and they go, damn, I just want to give up. I don't want to do this anymore. And they look at the picture of their two kids, they're going to pick up that phone and keep dialing. And so the difference, only dif- the time frame is the exact same. The amount of money is exactly the same. The only difference is that person B knows why they're doing what they're doing. And when things get hard, because they will, they will not stop. And so that would be the, the tip that I would give that guy. He wants to start a YouTube station. Here's starting a YouTube station. He needs to figure out his why. And his why mm-hmm. will be the bridge between the idea and the execution. Mm-hmm. Great. A couple of questions pop up now when I listen to, to your answer. First is, okay, YouTube, you can monetize. Mm-hmm. But there is no Facebook bank that you can translate likes and views into money. So how do you do this? There is now. You, mm-hmm. can, you, get paid off of, uh, off of, you can get paid off of Facebook now, which is a good thing. So th- through the ads. Mm-hmm. So you get paid through that way, which is a good thing because now creators are able to make more creative videos on Facebook, which is the best thing I think they've ever done by putting ads in there. People hate the ads, but you know it allows you creators. The ads just pop up. Five-second ads pop up mm-hmm. on Facebook now. So that's one way. Uh, but the way that I've been making money is through in-person events that, mm-hmm. that are small in-person events. I haven't done any massive in-person events. And then coaching. I do one-on-one coaching with really high-level CEOs. And then the other way that I do it is I do group coaching as well. Mm-hmm. So I have a group coaching program. Online? All online. Yeah, so I have, uh, if it's my international clients that are CEOs, I have ones that are you know, in London, I have ones that are in Saudi Arabia, I have mm-hmm. all over the world. That's obviously over the phone or through WhatsApp phone calls. So I make money yeah. through that way, through group coaching as well. And then there's affiliate marketing that can come from it. There's the, the Facebook mm-hmm. ads that come from it as well. And then there's speaking engagements, book offers that are coming in that people want me to write books. So the, the, the funny thing was, I wasn't expecting all of this yeah. when I started the podcast. When I first started the podcast, the only reason why I started the podcast was because I felt like I wasn't playing big enough in the world and that I had some sort of knowledge that helped people mm-hmm. and I just wanted to get it out there. And people kept asking me because I went to an event in Dallas. It was a podcasting yeah. event. And it was before I started the podcast, but I knew it. I'd already recorded a couple episodes. Everybody asked me, how are you going to monetize a podcast? You didn't have a plan. No. And what I said to people is, I'm going to treat it like Facebook. I'm going to get it as big as I possibly can before I try to make any money off of it. Because I think that if I'm coming from a point of money that's inauthentic and people can smell that a a hundred miles away. But if I just come from, let me just put this out and see what I can do, then it's much more authentic. And I didn't try to make any money Mm -hmm. off my podcast for 10 months. So that means I put up, you know, over 150 episodes before I ever even made 
a dollar off of it. So I think that that if people are going at something because they want to make money, like I said, money is should not be the destination. Money is the byproduct of value that you give the world. <laughs> I also started this podcast and YouTube show not because of the money, because yeah. I already made money, yeah. millions with my insurance business. Yeah. So th- for for now, this is a huge expense for me. For sure. Yeah. I can tell from the production. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nobody can see the production that's yeah, happening, but it's, yeah. I know how much this stuff costs. It's not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. Yeah. So I didn't start the podcast and YouTube channel because I want to earn some money. Right. Uh, but I just want to inspire people. Yeah. This is what I do all my life. Yeah. And I want to I want to give something yeah. to the world. But at the end of the day, you know, how do you translate? Views. First of all, how do you get to how many downloads? Six on uh, my podcast. Yeah, my podcast is uh, over a million in the first twelve months, and then over six hundred so million how can views you do on that? Facebook. How can you Coach do it? Me. How can you do it? Yeah, you need to get your stuff out there. So I think the number one thing that yeah. you're doing, if I were to restart and to do my podcast okay. again, I'd do exactly what you're doing right now. What? A hundred percent what you're doing right now. So the way that I started my podcast was me by myself mm-hmm. in my office with a microphone mm-hmm. and that was it and then what happened was people kept asking me what do i do and i was like i'm a podcaster and i got a couple responses number one was i love podcasts what's the name of your podcast but that was very rare that that happened number two was oh i've heard of podcasts i just don't listen to them and number three was what is a podcast and i was like the hell am i doing i am in the wrong place yeah and so what I would do, if I were to start, if anyone's listening to this, are like, I think I want to start a podcast. First off, podcasts are amazing. I 100% recommend them. Mm-hmm. But what changed my mind and the reason why I started doing video, and this is why I'm saying you're right, is because I read an article two years ago that Google had written. And it said by 2020, 80% of content consumed yeah. on the internet will be video. Yeah, yeah. And so what I would do, if someone's thinking about starting a podcast, I would even just take your cell phone and just pop it up next to you as you're recording it yes. so that you can put it up on, on the internet. On YouTube or Facebook. Because everybody in the world uses YouTube. Yeah. Some people use podcasts, some people don't. The people who, who use podcasts, though, I think are my most hardcore fans because I'm in their ears three times a week, 481 episodes today. So they've listened to me, they've listened to me for a long time, and they're really hardcore. And they can get in their car and for a two-hour drive and listen yeah. to tons yeah. and tons yeah. of episodes. So that is the benefit of a podcast. I always recommend that. But what I recommend is if you're going to start a podcast, always do it on video. If it's a sitting down like we are right now, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you guys are 100% going to do, you're going to take this, turn it into one long format YouTube video, yeah. chop it up into smaller videos that are action-packed and you can, mm-hmm. you know, might be a three-minute video of some sort of value. Put that on YouTube with a great title, with great keywords that make people find you. Yeah. And then also put it on social media Gear it towards social media. Make sure you put the title there. Make sure that you know the first three seconds grab somebody's attention so that they want to watch it. Make sure that it has the, the captions on the bottom because 80% of people don't yeah, even watch with the sound yeah. on. Yeah. And so you can take this interview right here and it could be a long format YouTube video, a long format podcast. It could be 10 or 15 yeah. short two to three minute yes. videos that could go on YouTube and it could be 10 or 15 short videos that could go onto Facebook, it could be chopped up and put on Instagram, it could go everywhere. And then what you could do is you could pay somebody, even if you don't want to do it, because I hate writing, so I pay somebody to do this, is to go through and actually write an article from what was taught yeah. in each one yeah, of them. Yeah, we are doing this, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's the perfect idea because some people love to read, some people love to watch videos, yeah. some people love to listen to stuff while they're in the car. And so Gary Vaynerchuk put up a video, or a, an article not long ago, 
and he didn't write it, I'm sure one of his ghostwriters wrote it for him, but it said everything that you do should live in three formats on the internet. It should be a video, it should be a podcast, and it should be an article. And if you do that, and you just keep putting it up there, you will be found and you can figure out some sort of way to monetize from there. Actually, I visited him in his New York office. Yeah. Yeah, you can check on the video, no, Daily V. Yeah. Episode 239. Yeah, and you yeah. were there? Yeah, for 10, 15 minutes. And I asked him a question, what yeah. he would do if he were me? Mm-hmm. He said, just start. Yeah. Put out the content, your English is good enough. Yeah. So don't have this problem in your mind. Yeah. Just start. So 100%. Then I, then I came back home and I said, let's start. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't start. That's the problem. Yeah. They get afraid and they start thinking of all of the things that all of the things that could come up along the, the way that yeah. probably never yeah. will come up. And and then they think that I'm not I'm not good enough to do it. If you listen to episode one of my podcast, I'm on four hundred and eighty one. If you listen to episode one, it makes me cringe because it's terrible. Yeah. It is so bad. There's no personality. I've literally am just like a, a robot speaking because I'm so nervous and it's it was terrible. But it, it just you can't get better unless you do it. Like I said, you can't get better at basketball unless you pick up the basketball. And so it's just about going, okay, let me just start. Let me just do it. I read a, an article that said that the average podcast lasts for seven episodes. And so what, I made a deal with myself. I will record 14 episodes before I release my first one. I'm above average. So there you go, right? So I, I told myself if I can double the average amount, I'll probably keep going. And that was just enough to get a little bit of traction for me to go, Oh my God, people like this. People are connecting. And then I got one email about six weeks into to the podcast. And a lady said, my father died two years ago and I've been in a crazy depression. You're the only mm-hmm. thing that's gotten me out of the depression in the past two years. And now six weeks and a half of my podcast. And that was all I needed was that one email to go, I'm not going to stop. Like you'll have to mm-hmm. kill me for me yeah, to stop. Yeah, yeah. Because it's helping people. So for you, it was podcast first, Facebook Podcast and Facebook. How did you promote the podcast at the beginning? You just <laughs> recorded the episode and yeah. that was it? So people find you? Yeah. So so then what I did was I went <laughs> I went hardcore guerrilla marketing is what I did. Okay. So I thought to myself, where is everybody? Everybody's on Facebook, right? And so I thought, how do I get this podcast in front of people on Facebook? And what I realized is that there's groups, millions of groups on Facebook. And I might have gone a little bit overboard on this, but I did it because I wanted it to be successful. But what I did was I joined every single group that was motivational, that was Tony Robbins, that was anything that kind of dealt with some sort of motivational, inspiration, mindset, law of attraction, those types of things. And every single time I had an episode come out, I would post the links inside of those groups. And every single day, it was 30 groups every single day for six months. So if you do the the math, I don't know how many posts that is, but that's a lot of posts. Mm. And I would put it up because I was like, number one, I don't want to be spammy, but I I had talked to a lot of people who run these groups and I was like, hey, I have a podcast. It would really help your people. Can I put it up there? And most of the people who own the groups are terrible at putting up stuff anyway. So they're like, please just put something up because we're not doing it at all. And so I just started putting them up and people were clicking on the link and from the link, they were going and listening to the podcast because I, I so badly wanted it to be successful that I was not going to to go to bed knowing that I didn't do everything that I could to get the message out there. Great. I'm using this strategy, but not so aggressively. Yeah. You said 30 groups. Get aggressive. Oh, my. Any, <laughs> other, any other advice? <laughs> yeah. 
that would be it. That's there. I wrote an article for a digital marketer, mm-hmm. which is a, a company that's here. They're a massive digital marketing company. And it was uh, how to go from, un, I think it was something along the lines of someone Googled my name, Rob Dial, how to go from unknown to 100,000 listens in eight months. So within my first eight months, I got 100,000 downloads. I had no name. I had no Facebook. I had no Instagram. None of these things. I had no following at this point in time. The way that I did it was through a couple different things. Number one was that that strategy. And then the other one that I feel is the most important as well is to have the right keyword in the title or at least in the description of it. Because you got to realize exactly the same way that you go into Google looking for something or you go into YouTube looking for something. Someone's going into podcasting looking for motivation, looking for inspiration, looking for health, wellness, whatever it is. And if you can make sure that that's in the keywords, you're more likely to pop up for people to be able to find you. And that's organic listens. You don't have to do any. Those are all free organic listens. You don't have to put any time into doing that. And so I think that those are the two biggest keys to being found on the, on the internet. And how did you crack the code for the Facebook videos? Oh, God. You're... It took a long time. Yeah. I, it took a lot of trial and error. And so what I do is I never reinvent the wheel. I think people try to do their own thing and they try to reinvent the wheel and they try to become a, they try to come up with their own strategy of how to do something that's going to take off. Yeah. And so what I said is I'm going to find the people that I feel are the best at doing these and I'm just going to go through and just see what they do and take notes on what I think is, is doing really well and see if I can find some sort of things that connect with people mm-hmm. that, that I can find in each of these videos. Yeah. And so what I did is I said, okay, this person's – and Facebook, the thing about it is it changes all the time. Yeah, so what happened yeah. six months ago and what made me successful well, six months ago is yeah. not working anymore. So I have to constantly be changing and constantly be a student of what everyone else is doing and why this video go viral – why did this one not go viral? Because sometimes a video will take off that you weren't expecting it to go viral. So it's about not reinventing the wheel to find somebody, one person, two people, three people that are in your industry or do the same thing as you yeah. that are more successful and find out what they're doing, stalk them, you know, look at their Instagram, look at their mm-hmm. Facebook, look at all these things and don't create the same video as theirs, but take the format of a video mm-hmm. And say, how can I put my own words into this format? And if just don't reinvent the wheel, what happened? What made someone else successful can make you successful. Do the same thing. Do you use Facebook Analyzer or any other software Uh, to analyze uh, the content from other uh, creators? Yeah. So what I use is I don't use any third party or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I use Facebook's actual one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good thing about Facebook is they have a thing that's inside of Insights where you can see all of your insights. Mm -hmm. You can see, you know, where all of your people are from. So you can see that you know, the majority of mine are from America, but then I have people from literally every other country all over the world. But then what you see is you also see what time of day they're on. So I know that 9 a.m. every single day, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, there's more people that are my followers that are on at 9 a.m. than any other time. So at 9 a.m., when I have a new video come out, it's going to come out at 9 a.m. And so if you just start playing the game and noticing, okay, if this is what this person's doing that's making them successful. What time are they posting? Oh, they posted it this time. They posted this time. They posted this time. When I was when I was brand new on Instagram and trying to get big on Instagram first, because Instagram is actually my first platform I tried to do before Facebook, but I realized it's hard to share something on Instagram. If you really love something, you can direct message yeah, yeah. it to a friend, but it's hard to share it to everybody. But after fifty, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's I was like, I need to go on Facebook because you can just hit share and it goes to everybody. But what I did was I went to people and I said, okay, this person's got two hundred thousand followers. And I would scroll, literally, 
for 30, 45, 60 seconds, I would scroll all the way to the very first post. And I would go, I would watch the progression of how it changed. And I would look at it and say, okay, this post right here only got 10. This one got 100. Holy crap, this one got 5,000. And then I'm like, what's the difference between this one and this one? And I started looking and trying to find the difference of what made this one do better than all the rest of them. And you start to notice that there's, there's different patterns depending on what someone's category is and the way that it pictures. Like I know that if I post a picture on my Instagram of me smiling with my teeth showing, it gets way more likes than all of the other ones. And so I stopped <laughs> posting. <laughs> yeah. I stopped posting ones where I'm like, or I'm like looking away or yeah. something like that. And so like there's different little little teeny tiny different things where if your teeth are showing, for some reason, it makes people go, Oh, I like this. And so that you'll you'll just start noticing all of these things. And the only way to do it is to actually just start. That's it. Wow. When can we expect your book? Do you have a title? I do, but I don't want to tell it. So okay. because of the fact that it's, I don't want it to be taken before it comes out. <laughs> yeah. So I do, but it's, uh, it has to do with, with mindset. So it's, there's publishers that I'm, I'm talking with to try to figure it out, but it's not going to be within the next year because I have other things that I'm focusing on. What's more important to me is in-person events. And so that's what I'm working on for 2019 is in-person events and how to make those as good as I possibly can. Motivational. Yeah, motivational, but more than anything else, it's, I'm a motivational speaker. But the one thing that I'm obsessed with is neurology and psychology. Oh, yeah, so it's not just like, I'm not the guy that's like, hey, you can do it. Yeah. I'm the guy that's like, this is the way that your brain works. And this is how it's holding mm-hmm. you back. This is how you get past it. So that by the time somebody leaves, it, whether they're in my coaching, whether mm-hmm. they show up to any of the events, they already have actual plans of how to do it. I'm not the person that just makes them feel good for three mm-hmm. or four hours and then they leave and they're the exact same person. Mm-hmm. I want someone to leave with actual legitimate steps to start making changes when they walk out of the door and so that's how it's always been when i did the small events the masterminds all of those things but now it's about how can i bring it to more people and from the event my idea is to be the three-day event mm-hmm. and make that three-day event basically be the book in person and way more in depth and then write the book after mm-hmm. and getting people's mm-hmm. you know ideas of how it helped them how it didn't help them how they can improve and then the book will, will come out how can somebody so young coach CEOs. Yeah, it's funny. There's yeah. the one thing that I've found, I've coached thousands of people. So I started, the, the cool thing is I could, I could be young and I'll use LeBron James as an example as well. When I was in a sales rep, I was 22, 23 years old and I had people that were working for me that were 50, 60 years old. And sometimes they'd come in and they'd be like, yeah, but I, I don't know, but you're so young. I don't know if I can take advice from you. I'm like, okay. I'll use LeBron James as an example again. If LeBron James walked in right now, and this is, LeBron James is way younger. This was 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I said, if LeBron James came in right now and said, I want to teach you how to play basketball, you're going to go, nah, you're too young. Where's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? He's around my age group. I want to learn from him. Would you do that? Like, no. Why? Because he has experience and he can make you better. He's better than you are right now at basketball. He can teach you at it. And so I, I think the exact same thing. I might be young, but I did start when I was 19 years old. And I have been trying to figure out this world and what's going on in my own head since I was 15 when my father passed away. So it's 17 years of that that I've been working on it. So the thing about it is the good thing about about mindset is that if you can overcome your own mindset, you start to notice it's very easy to teach other people to do the same because we're all the same. We all hold ourselves back the exact same way. We're all our worst enemy. And so if you can learn about yourself and you can get out of your own way, and you can learn the patterns and habits yeah. to do so, you can teach other people to do it as well. And so I think it's funny that a lot of motivational speakers are now popping up all over the place. 
But then I'm like, well, what did you do? Like, where have you come from? How have you helped yourself? How have you helped other people? Or have you been a successful just, yeah. you know, business person? What's interesting is some of the most successful people that I work with, I don't work with them on how to grow their business. Now, there are we do have a lot of business conversations. Yeah. We do talk about hiring and who to put in place, and they need an operations person. We talk how to advertise, how to get better on Facebook and social media. We talk about all those things. But the main thing that we talk about is how do I make myself happier? Mm-hmm. How do I make myself feel better? One thing that I've noticed is it's extremely common is the most successful people that I know, not everybody, but a lot of the most successful people that I know are successful because they didn't feel like they were worth something. And success was the one thing they thought would make them feel like they were finally worthy. Mm. But then they became worth 10 or 15 or 20 or $100 million, and they still feel like that broken child inside. And they go, I need to fix this. And so I might not be able to take someone that runs a $500 million business and teach them how to take it to a billion, but I could teach them how to be happier. I could teach them how to get past their demons. How? How to be happier? How to be happier? So... A lot of the, I mean, there's, it's a lot because there's a lot of different Research people. There's, there's a lot of, it's different with each person of how to be happier. But I think that the problem is that people make, they think happiness should be the goal, mm-hmm. right? Or they, or they think happiness should be the destination that they're going towards. And I always say that you shouldn't be, the journey that you're going on should not be trying to be happy. The journey that you're going on should be something that fulfills you. Mm-hmm. Because fulfillment, I'm the happiest that I've ever been because I'm doing something that fulfills me. Happiness is a byproduct of doing something that fulfills you. Mm-hmm. Because I wake up every single day and I don't feel like I'm working at all. It's amazing. Like I get paid to play basically is the mm-hmm. way that I see it. That's the way Alan Watts says. You need to find a job that allows you to pay to play. But I have coaching clients that, that we just say, he said, you know, one of them can say, how can I be happier? Well, what makes you happy? Mm-hmm. Well, you're spending 100 hours a week at work, but you never once said that work makes you happy. The thing that makes you happiest is your children. Why do you not spend more time with your children? Mm-hmm. I have coaching clients where literally for years we've been taking, putting the right people in place to allow them to, to stop working as much just to go on trips with their family. And that's what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. It's not about spending hours and hours and hours inside of a job that somebody loves or hates yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. It's about doing the things that makes them happy, makes them fulfilled. And so if somebody's children are what makes them happy, why are they spending so much time at work? Mm-hmm. Especially when it's it's already doing forty million dollars a year. If it's doing forty million dollars a year, why don't you hire a couple people to do your job? You oversee them, and you spend that forty hours a week or fifty hours a week doing something that can make you happy. Yeah, spending wow. more time with your kids. Nothing makes me happier than when I get on the phone with coaching clients. Yeah, and they say they went from literally never seeing their children to being the chaperone on one of their trips, or to being the Boy Scout leader for their child's Boy Scouts troop. Like they're now doing things or taking them to the zoo or they, I've, I've had conversations where they say, oh yeah, I'm just hanging out with my son. I, t- I took him out of school early so that we could hang out today. But a year ago, they didn't have any time to spend with their children, mm-hmm. right? That's the things that make them happy. And so I always tell people, what fulfills you? What would make you feel fulfilled? Go for that, do that, and happiness will be a byproduct of it. It's probably those clients are older than you. Almost all of them. Yeah, so I think that yeah. you're a perfect fit for them to tell them they yeah. have to spend time with kids. <laughs> yeah. And the, the other thing yeah. is, I know firsthand what happens when you don't spend time with your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can tell them what happens. I can also tell them the things that I remember most about my dad. Right? Like, I, we were talking, I had a conversation with Coach Klein, we were talking about doing something for yeah. other people. Like, taking your children, 
and going to uh, whatever it is, do- donating time and going to a charity and doing something for them. There's one thing. I don't have a whole lot of memories about my dad. I think I, I blocked a lot of them out when I was younger. But one of them that I remember more than anything else, we were driving on the, we were driving, and on the side of the road there was a car that was broken down. Here in America, very rarely does somebody stop and help somebody on the side of the road. They just keep going. My dad stopped, and I was 11 years old, and he helped this guy, got his car working, started it, whatever it was. And I remember watching through the, the mirror, or through the, the window, I remember the guy trying to give him a $20 bill. And my dad went like this, said something, and then walked away. And he got in the car, and I said, did that guy try to give you money? And he goes, yeah, he tried to give me money, but... I told him I didn't want his money. I just want him to go do something for someone else today. I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember that. And that's something that sticks into my mind. So it's the same thing with everyone who has children as well. If they don't spend time with them, they're not getting these moments to stick or to subconsciously still be there and be running in the back of their head. So if they have the opportunity to spend more time with their children, they should do it. If they have the opportunity to go and, you know, if they do have enough money or enough time to go and donate it to a charity or to volunteer, they should do it. And so I think that I'm the perfect candidate for that because I I know what happens when you do spend time with your kids and how it sticks. But I also know how your children feel when you don't spend time with them. I know how your children feel when you say you're going to pick them up and then they sit on the steps and you never show up. Because I remember that, too. You know, I was lucky that I had a father that didn't you know, beat me or didn't yell at me, but I also had a father that didn't show up when he said he was going to. So I know what that feels like. So I know what it feels like if if they say to their kids, I'm going to be home at six and they don't come home until nine o'clock and they're expecting to play baseball with their dad when they come home. So I can give them both perspectives. That was powerful. Usually at the end, I have a question that I call power, Mm -hmm. power message or last message. And the question goes like this. Just pretend that you only have five seconds to live and you have... Mm -hmm kids, mm-hmm. what would be the last message you would send to them or say something that would stay with them for the rest of their life? But now you don't have kids yet. You, you could play the game, but make it this way. What What words? What, what? what words would you like to hear from your dad when he passed away? I think probably at that time, the only thing that I would have wanted to hear was it'll be okay. Exactly what you said. What would I tell people who, you know, the 10 or 15 year olds that are listening right now and they have mm-hmm. alcoholic fathers that it'll be okay because it'll all be okay if they make it okay. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is once you get to a certain age, you realize you can't blame anybody anymore, mm-hmm. right? I'm 32 years old. If I had a, if I had a, was in a crappy situation right now, I couldn't blame it on my father. Mm-hmm. He died 17 years ago. He's been dead longer than he's been alive in my life. Yeah. For me to continue to blame him would be ridiculous. And so what I would say is it's going to be okay because you can make it okay. Mm-hmm. I would answer the question, and this is something that I do tell people that I think is very important. If I did have kids, the thing that I would tell them is to listen to everything that I've put online. Mm-hmm. And the reason, one of the reasons why I've put all the stuff online that I have is because I know that one day, hopefully I will have kids and one day I will die. But what if I have a kid and it's six months old, that, that, per, that, that child dies? They'll never know their real father. But guess what? The the internet's a beautiful thing. They can know their real father their entire life. There's hundreds of videos. There's hundreds of podcast episodes. So if someone's out there and they think something's important that they want to tell their children that might be six months old, you can put a YouTube video up on YouTube 
and put it as unlisted, which means that no, or you can put it as private, which means that nobody will ever see it. But imagine if, you know, your child's born and you say, I'm going to start making YouTube videos once a month, just once a month. I'm going to talk about you as a child. I'm going to talk about what I've learned about being a father. I'm going to talk about the, the beautiful thing about you being a child. They can get the link to your YouTube when they're 18 years old. They can get the link to your YouTube if you happen to pass away before that time. And they can see all of these videos. Nobody will ever see them on the internet. So what I would say to my kids is just watch what I put up. If somebody's in that situation where they don't want to put up their own, they don't want anyone to see their videos, they can still make the videos for their children, store it on YouTube for free, and give them a link one day to their YouTube and their children, children can watch all of it. And if something, God forbid, happens, they can still raise their children and know who their true parent was without actually physically being there. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. This is fun. It's an honor to have you on my show. This is good. Wow, that was you asked, great. You asked a lot of questions I've never been asked before, so I love this. Thank you very it much. Was great. Thank you very much. So, do you remember or did you remember? Go home and spend more time with your kids and yeah. family. Do what you love and everything is going to be okay. Rob Dial, Warrior Family, Smilian Mori, see you in the next episode. Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing and sales strategies confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smillion Mori, YouTube and Facebook, Smillion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter, Smillion Mori, and LinkedIn, Smillion Mori.